Hello, everybody. My name is Alyssa Robinson, and I am here with my co-host, Reverend Doug Meyer, and you are listening to the Life Plus God podcast. There you go. Yay. Welcome. This that Doug and I do once a month is called the Unlearned Faith Series, where we pick a specific fake faith topic. Normally, uh, we go to the YouVersion app, which is a Bible app, and we choose a reading plan. Uh, And this week's reading plan is called Uncomplicating Prayer. And I will have a link to that in the episode description so that you can check it out if you so choose. It's only three days. It'll take you about 15 minutes at the most to look into it. Um, But the reason that we chose this is because this week we start Lent. Wow. Yeah. And I've heard that prayer is a big part of Lent along with fasting. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we want to have a little conversation about it and what prayer means to us and what this uh, little reading plan either revealed to us or frustrated us. By, I'll admit, I got a little more frustrated yeah, than I, I was felt. Say, I, <laughs> comforted. I can't. I, this is. I'm looking forward to this because this is uh, prayer. Man, I'm all over the place on prayer. So, and I always used to feel like, um, man, you're a preacher. You're supposed to have it all figured out, and I don't. So, get ready. Yeah. Well. Okay. Let's just go ahead and dive into it. What were you taught about prayer as a kid? And what's your relationship with prayer today? So, okay. So taught, all I really was taught was that you're supposed to, i.e. you have to, and that we would pray, um, we, family, at, at, we had a rote prayer at mealtime. Mm-hmm. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. Eat. And then uh, at bedtime... Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul Creepiest to take. Creepiest prayer. I know. Creepiest prayer. I know. I did that one too. And, it, and if I die, I die before, before I wake, why would you make the Lord a lo- my soul to take? Where, and then like enter the metal music. For like a five-year-old to pray that. And then at our house, we would tack on, and God bless. We would too. And I would go down this whole long list. God bless mommy and mommy daddy, daddy and like sister and auntie layers, and layers and yeah. layers and finally you'd run out of family. And then you go to pets. I do pet. I did yeah. everybody and yeah. finally I would run out of my parents. Usually it was my mom. My mom was kind of the ordained, um, put her to better. Yeah. And so. And sometimes uh, you would just be like naming all the people you think of to stall bedtime. Absolutely. And they figured it out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, um, so my faith journey was like just. Leave it to Beaver-esque as a little kid. And then I go off to youth group and all that. And my church, even though it was Methodist, was really kind of Assembly God Baptist. And it was a whole lot of heavy-duty um, uh, blood and Jesus and guilt and shame and uh, stuff like that. And that there were, um, you know, not prescriptive prayers, but that prayer was a big deal. And that you needed to really, you know, there was a lot of talk like, well, how's your prayer life going? And, and this and that. And uh, if you didn't pray, that meant you were a, a less than or a weaker Christian. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we would have prayer groups in the morning and prayer groups at lunch. And it, it usually always was um, pray, telling God how things were going and what I needed. And I'm sorry. And there was a lot for me as an adolescent confused with sex and sexuality and all that stuff. 
whole lot of I'm sorry prayers mm. <laughs> and a lot of guilt and shame. And then, you know, essentially all again the very next day. <laughs> and so it was, um, I don't know. I wish I had like a, a neat metaphor for it, because I, I do, but I don't. I've come up with one. But God was kind of like my like, cover, help me, save me, rescue me mm-hmm. kind of person. And very rarely that was this, like this talk uh, of listening for God. Mm-hmm. I didn't listen for God. So it was all, uh, if you would, like a one-way conversation, pour onto God, and then basically like, peace out. Mm-hmm. That was it. How yeah. about you? What was yours like? Oh, well, I had the little childhood prayers that we would do of mm-hmm. the same. And we would, uh, you know, my mom being a three on the Enneagram always wanted like fun and enthusiastic ways to get us excited about prayer. So we would have like the little songs that we would sing of like, thank you, God, for giving us food. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the, the Superman, Superman prayer thing. Yeah. Thank you, God, for giving us friends. <laughs> For the food we yep. eat, for um, the friends we meet, um, thank yep. you, God, for giving us food. <laughs> My mom was all, all business. She was a Lutheran, so she was all yeah. like, no, we didn't. Her no, time was there never are so playful. many, and the Johnny Appleseed one. I, I didn't learn know. that till uh, youth group. Should I sing that one, too? No, probably not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do, uh, do your uh, nieces and nephews sing that? Oh, yeah. Oh, they do? They absolutely okay. do. I didn't know and it was so, still a thing. Like, Prayer didn't really ever have an emotional connection. Like, how can you really have an emotional connection doing that? It was just like a fun sing song thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that my parents, like, they, it was all in like good intentions of, oh, this is a great way for kids to learn. And like, if you sing things, you memorize them right, and right. it's a, it makes it fun and all of that. But for me, it just kind of was like, uh, all right, something we do. Check. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it never really meant anything to me. And then youth group came around, and we never really emphasized individual prayer time, but group prayer time was a big thing. So, like, every youth group gathering would mm-hmm. end with share your joys and concerns mm-hmm. for the week, which I felt was just, like, share your gossip for the week, oh. basically. <laughs> Was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I want some extra prayers for my friend Jess, who she's going through a lot right now. She's been impure with her boyfriend, mm. like whatever. <laughs> it was nonsense. And then we would all go around. They would do like the squeezy hand prayer, where like someone starts the prayer, then oh, you squeeze okay. the so hand. Oh, okay. So squeeze your hand of your neck. Yeah, squeeze yeah. the hand okay. of the person yeah, next yeah. to you, and then. They, yep. if they want to pray, they'll pray. And if not, they squeeze the hand of the person next to them. And normally with a group of high schoolers, what it would be is like the first person goes, then they squeeze the hand and it's yep. just silence. And then it's like squeeze, 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 it's squeeze, all squeeze. The way around. Nobody yeah. wants to pray. And then the last person, which is usually the youth leader, does like this big, long, Covers exhaustive all the basis prayer. prayer that has scripture in it and has... Uh, and beautiful just wants, words, and it just, makes everybody not want to pray out loud even more because there's no way my prayer will I'm ever be as be good as like his or that. her prayer. And yeah. so it kind of turned into like performative prayer. It oh, yeah. all felt like a performance. Yep. And I never wanted to pray out loud, and I would only pray out loud if I felt forced to do it because I did not, as a teenager, have a loud enough or a confident enough voice to say, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) So did you have like a canned prayer? No. You didn't have like a, okay, I'm going to have to pray, so I'm in a hurry and just pray. 
Yeah, whatever. it was more of like a defiant prayer. If like no a pastor, a youth pastor would be like, hey, Alyssa, why don't you kick us off in prayer? I'd be like, thanks God for today. And then I'd squeeze the hand next to me is like, I didn't care. I didn't want to participate. Um, and honestly, I don't remember ever being taught anything about prayer. Um, that there are different ways to pray. That prayer, like all I'd ever been told is like, prayer isn't anything more than a conversation with God. Yep. And I was like, well, then y'all know something I don't know because God has never talked back to me. Mm. Like if I'm in a prayer. So it it just kind of I don't know. I I'll say fast forwarding to today, yep. I still don't understand. Like I don't understand because there are people at our church who are so passionate about prayer and they're on the prayer team and they call themselves prayer warriors. And there are people who partner with the pastors and pray for the pastors and like all of these things. And I'm just like, oh, wow, sounds boring. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I, I would say sounds frustrating, confusing, and on any given day, I don't know that I'm into that. Yeah, they're know? nourished by it. And I don't understand. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast and you consider your spiritual gift to be prayer, hit me up. <laughs> let me know more about that. Because, we wish you were here right now. Yeah, if you could just tell me, like, what's the secret? Because mm -hmm. I've never felt, like, spiritually connected during a prayer. I think it's real confusing for me when to hear that phrase. And, and so, like, anywhere, like, right now, if you sat down and you Googled, uh, prayer 101 or whatever, I promise you within the first 50 words, there, the word conversation is going to come up. Yeah. And um, so here's what I think a conversation is you and I in a cup of coffee or a glass of wine talking about stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I talk a little bit, you talk a little bit. We talk back and forth. We have it a pause. It is a dialogue. <laughs> and um, where I am confused with the use of that word conversation is... Um, my dialoguing with God, like um, the times in my understanding of God that I, quote, hear back from God are through other people or through uh, nature, but um, pretty much, uh, see, I, I just think it, it, it cannot be that we assume that there is a voice, and as sure as I say that right now, I'm sure there are going to be people who say, I hear the voice. I hear God's voice. What's wrong with you? I hear God's voice. You know. Yeah. So, all right. If you do, good for you. Yeah. Right? But You are. You're super. I don't know. Like, lucky? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you are. But I think prayer, and I'm kind of looking forward to this only because it's, um, I think it's important that people are honest mm -hmm. and name um, this thing that everybody else thinks somebody else has got it figured out. And when we say, like, the pastor's prayer list, there are people, to Alyssa's point, that ask us, and really I don't know why it's called that, but I guess because they have to narrow it down or they'd be praying for everybody. Well, pastors need more prayer than everyone else. Well, that's obvious. <laughs> and so um, they pray, and that's great, and I appreciate their prayers. And I don't know what the point was I was about to make, but... Um, I guess you kind of have today two people who are a little bit on a similar journey. Like, I'm not done with prayer because I'm, I mean, that's on my job description. Mm -hmm. But um, I am 
uh, what's a good, I can run hot and cold with prayer. And sometimes I'm a little ticked off with God, so I'm not very into my prayer life. And then a little other times I'm a lot closer to God, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. And I feel a little more willing to be vulnerable with God. Yeah. So, um, and then what confuses it all is there are a lot of people who are so super confident. They're almost like, hey, I'm a prayer expert. What do you want to know? And then there are scriptures about prayer. And Jesus said some, some things about prayer that, uh, like, pray without ceasing. Well, okay, really, what's that mean? I make up that that just means always have some kind of channel open to a higher power. Does that work? I know I'm probably getting way down the road. So I I'll don't back, know. I mean, I'll back up. No, I don't know. I don't know. It all just really because it honestly, everything that I've ever looked into about prayer with, you know, you'd mentioned if you Googled it. Yeah. Conversations, specific prayers like uh, centering prayer and Lectio Divina and things like that for you to do. It's like all this list of things for you to do. But um for me, the last thing I need is another thing to do. <laughs> like mm. I, um, that's not how I'm going to spiritually connect because I'm a doer naturally. Like that's kind of, I'm just constantly doing and doing and doing and doing. And how can I find rest in something that is, um, already a part of who I am like I feel like wouldn't the point of prayer be to disrupt like to disrupt your day your patterns well I guess maybe not the prayer without ceasing thing because that is supposed to be a part of your day it's confusing but yeah disrupting your patterns and for me like saying okay here you're gonna do prayer time here are the things you should say you should ask for forgiveness you should thank god for you know these things you should put in requests like whatever it is and i'm just like that doesn't sound like a peaceful time to connect with the spirit to me yeah. it just sounds like me talking to a wall so, i agree yeah. but then there's going to be there are there are other people who go oh i find that very uh nourishing and very uh whatevering and so, you know, maybe one of the things is that we, I'm going to just prescribe this for all of humanity, <laughs> we need to get to the point where prayer can be affirmed in its own individualistic nature from person to person. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things is, if we back up a minute, I think prayer is a reflection of your understanding of who, to whom you're praying in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that has a lot to do with my understanding of God. And if I grew up with a very legalistic understanding of God, I think that would uh, inform my prayers a certain way. I grew up with, a, uh, well, I didn't grow up with, I have grown into an understanding of God being just this very cosmic uh, presence, anywhere, everywhere, all the time. So for me, even like now, taking a walk, I feel like is part of a prayer. And I don't have to say, God, hey, God, how you doing, God? I'm sorry, God. Hey, God, will you take care of just being out there in God's presence? Yeah. And that might, like even now I know somebody's saying, oh, that's a cop-out. No, you're supposed to say, dear Lord, and then end with amen. And that might just be because I'm really in a kind of a religious rebellious stage right now. Mm -hmm. But um, what welcome, did our— Welcome what, to the rebellion. <laughs> maybe we should recast this broad, this podcast as— uh, 
<laughs> the Rebel Hour or yeah. something like that. So what about our author? What did um, okay. what the podcast? So day one, there weren't really titles for each day, so I titled them myself. Mm-hmm. And the first day I said, prayer trauma, question mark. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like she talks a lot about um, how she felt like she was never good enough and that she was never praying in the right way. And some of the things that we expressed of like she would hear other people praying out loud, these beautiful, intricate, like just wonderfully worded prayers. And she was like, well, I can't do that. Um, I just, I'm not even going to try. And, but the verse, I kind of want to skip to like the verse she was featuring for day one, because that bugged me. Um, The verse is James chapter five, 16 through 18. And it says, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came and everything started growing again. So, like, she talks about all of this kind of like prayer shame she experienced of like, she didn't feel like she could do it right. And then she cited this verse and I was like, well, that verse doesn't help me at all because they're like, look at Elijah. He prayed for rain and it rained. And then he prayed for it to stop raining and it didn't rain. And I'm like, okay, go Elijah. Like I, (laughs) because sometimes I pray for something and it happens. Sometimes I pray for something and it doesn't happen. Sometimes I don't pray for something and it does happen. Sometimes I don't pray for something and it doesn't happen. So it doesn't feel like the prayers in and of itself is what have power. Like this scripture to me feels like you should, if you pray, if your prayer is powerful enough, things will change in this world. That's what that you, that la, la, la. you think that's what that scripture says. I that's the way I took it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does well because she uses that you know rain and no rain kind of deal, which then and I mean it's only logical that that would mess up people's heads to yeah. go, oh okay. It it, it reinforces the understand her her own un- misunderstanding of um, that if you pray the right way, mm-hmm. then you will have the right response. Yeah. And, um, and it, I, I it think says that's in the scripture, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful. And I'm like, okay, so does that mean if my prayers aren't answered, I'm not living right with God? Apparently. What does power, because I hear people <laughs> use the phrase, oh, the power of prayer. Prayer is a powerful tool. And I'm like, for who? Yeah. I don't know. I thought you were supposed to have the answers. I, wish I, <laughs> I know. I feel so. In, uh, what's that called right now? Imposter, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. I have imposter yeah. syndrome right now. So um, it seems to me, re- read the very first part of that. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. Do you want me to keep going? Well, are you reading that James thing? Yeah, that's James. Uh, okay, keep going then. Okay. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Okay, just stop right there. So um, there is some judgment there, right? Mm-hmm. Person living right with God. You know, I don't know the whole context of that scripture. So I don't know to whom James was talking and what's going on. But 
let's assume, let's give James credit here, that he is affirming his listeners to begin some kind of prayer practice. And so he, he, he told them that, and then in his pocket of illustrations, he goes, oh, and let me tell you about a guy once who prayed and this happened, right? Um, today, we have the same kind of thing, right? We have people, to your point, and to our earlier conversations about who pray for things and they seem to happen. And um, I think if we sat them in here right now and forced them to be honest, they would say, yeah, I also pray for things that don't happen. And so what, to me, the logical takeaway from that is that prayer is a really unique experience and it's unrealistic to measure it by that which happens after that which you've done. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, it's just, it's hard because it's, I don't know. I'll give us, I'll tell a story. All right. So um, one of my good friends, Christine, her sister is not very uh, religious or spiritual, but um, her and her wife were trying to have a baby through IVF. And so uh, Christine and I were living together at the time. And so her sister called Christine and was like, hey, and I think, I don't know why, because we hadn't had really any interactions. All she knew about me is that Christine and I go to church together and I work at a church. And so she was like, hey, um, we're really struggling to get pregnant. Uh, could you ask Alyssa if she could pray for us? Because I think maybe her prayers will be like... The, oh, the you're ones. the inside track. Yeah, prayers. yeah. She's like, yeah. I think that she would have like powerful prayers, and I'm like, girl, you do not know me at all. <laughs> like, but yeah, but you had like I the did. double jackpot. You worked at a church and you went to church. Yeah, so I did. Just like in my meditation time, was not like praying for anything specific for her, but just kind of like focusing on her and like ho- wishing like joy and love and happiness on her. She got pregnant. <laughs> wow. I know. So the I calls got a bunch are going to come I'm rolling not, in here. now. Yeah. But no, and and so, but I think about that all the time of like. Would she have gotten pregnant if you hadn't prayed for her? Of course. <laughs> it had nothing to do. She lives in Oregon. Like, I'm in Dallas. Like, what? Is, so you think what? like, <laughs> it's just, well, there's just no way God could get all that straightened uh, out. Get no, your, per- get your prayers far. all the way to Oregon. It's too far. No, absolutely. It's um, too far. No, but it just, it's, it's one of those things that I'm just like, anyone, I've never shared that story. I think this is my first time sharing that story because I don't want to share it because yeah. I don't want to misrepresent prayer because that's not what prayer is for me. It's not a drive through window of like, this is what I want. And order. if I, if I order it right, I'll get exactly what I want. Don't mess up my order. Yeah. No, I get it. And that's what, in part, frustrates people like you and me who, if we were sitting here with like what we'll call prayer experts, uh, we have neither one had the experience of being a prayer expert, except apparently you and I are now in fertility issues. So um, how does that work? Um, I have at times, so like, you know, a long time ago, 15 years ago, I had prostate cancer. And... um, I, man, I pulled out all the prayers. I had all these people praying for me. I know I was on all sorts of prayer lists and all that. And um, that was then, and this is now. And so I'm here. And so, I, you know, I guess that worked. I don't, did that work? Or did I have a great surgeon, mm-hmm. right? 
And so, um, but I kind of, and I want her, it'd be interesting to hear, to talk to your, did they have their baby yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I so, think he's like maybe a year and a half or two years old now. So like when we are in these big moments, I think a lot of us pull out all the stops. And if that means prayer, we're going to pray, we're going to light a candle, we're going to bury a St. Joseph, you know, whatever that thing is, we're going to do it. And then I just wonder if, like, you know, here I am X years down the road later, I think, oh, yeah, I prayed about all that. Um, it just seems like it's kind of like people, what's that deal about soldiers who are in foxholes? Mm-hmm. You know, suddenly you become a very religious person. When we are in big moments, mm-hmm. we become... You know, even if I'm not sure it works, man, I'm going to try it anyway. Yeah. Right? Hey, well, I've told the story of when I was in the tornado, and the first thing I did was like, God, help. <laughs> yeah. Like, help me. So, okay. Ooh, we're going to have fun with that for a minute. So, and I it? survived the tornado. So I think that what we're, I might be a prayer warrior. I think you are. <laughs> I'm either going to move closer to you or further away. Yeah. So wonder why you did that. Wonder why that was the instinct for you in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and, but you didn't say anything special and fancy in that prayer. No, you didn't I have, said, you didn't have God an opener, a middle, yeah. or you did not quote scripture to God in your prayer. Uh-uh. So maybe you're getting to the root of it all. Maybe prayer is a, um, this thing that comes from within us that is not contrived or planned or scripted. It is just the most honest, raw thing that happens in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and in that moment, I was connected in. I think that that might be the only prayer I've had in my life that I actually felt spiritually connected to something mm-hmm. higher than myself. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a it was a real experience. So that I guess is prayer. But like, Why you not? can't you can't be in a life or death situation every day to <laughs> have your prayer time. I don't think you should be in a tornado every day. No, no, you can't do that. That's okay, not, that's so, not reasonable. So she asked in day one, "What things have you learned about prayer that feels like barriers to your prayer life?" What have you learned, or what have you assumed? It said, she asked, "What have you learned about prayer that feel like barriers?" Well, so I learned growing up that there there were formulas, right? That mm-hmm. there were prescriptive ways and or, to your point, Mingo, like uh, special words you say. Or like, when, uh, like whenever we gather together, we church staff or whatever, and we pray, a lot of people go, no, 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 you guys pray. Y'all, are, y'all went to school to learn how to pray. Mm-hmm. Did you learn, was there a class on prayer, like public prayer in seminary? Mm-mm. There should be, because y'all have to do that a lot. We have to do it all the time. And uh, sometimes, if you've been with me in different meetings, sometimes I get kind of catty, and I'll just say real super short prayers. But then um, I think the only thing I remember learning is like the historical things about prayer. And like you said earlier about the different varieties, like the Divino and meditation and this, that, and the other. But nobody ever said, kind of like a preaching course, nobody ever said, okay, now when you get up to pray, Mm-hmm. Use your, you know, your deep church voice. And your these and thous. The these and thous yeah. and, you know, any of that. Nobody ever said anything about that. Uh, not at least in... And don't forget the dramatic pause to let it all sink in. Right. And, and you build up or, well, I'm going to start being really snarky here in a minute. <laughs> um, no, gosh. But I think there are traditions that teach people how to pray. Yeah. That's yeah. just not one that we are part of. Um, I'm, um, in today, I believe that 
it is just a stream of consciousness that uh, occupied the majority of my prayers. I say that, but then I am on. I'm um, called upon to do um, prayers at the hospital, mm-hmm. prayers at a funeral, prayers in worship, weddings, wedding yeah. prayers, blessings, types of prayer, baptisms, all those kinds of yeah. pres- you know formulaic prayers. And there are like big defining moments in people's lives. That's like a lot of pressure. <laughs> Yeah, like, kind of. So um, here's the scary thing I do. This is just, I, you probably know this about me. So, like when I pray in church, I don't write my prayer ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I just, okay, here we go. Get up there and do it. I could have guessed that. Yeah. yeah. But there are other people who have to write their yeah. prayer out and this and that. And uh, there are times I've had what I call prayer panic, where like you're praying and uh, I have ADD brain all the time anyway, but I'm, so I kind of think, okay, I'm going to pray for the COVID people, and I'm going to pray for this, that, and then all all that has to happen is some other little like message goes across my brain, like I wonder who's winning the Super Bowl, and I will just it'll crash and burn, and I'll pause and I'll go, and thank you so much for this very special day, Amen. Like listen, sometime like I have uh like what's it called like exit shoots, yeah. exit ramps, where I will suddenly just dive out because I don't, I got nothing, I got nothing. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if we're making any sense today. Day two. Okay. <laughs> Prayer is a conversation. Oh, see? I know. We already did this. We already did this. And here's the thing. I don't want to be rude to this writer because I cannot deny her prayer journey. Mm-mm. Her prayer journey is her prayer journey. And that's fantastic that, like, if she did feel like, in the first half of her life, prayer was extremely legalistic and there were expectations and rules around it. And now she's breaking free from that. That's incredible. And stay yep. in that journey. Uh, but yeah. prayer for me has never felt like a conversation. And we already hit that a little bit. No, but you um, know what? I want to say something about that real quick. Yeah. I appreciate what you just said because we are all in different places, different times, different journeys. And ha- it seems as if she came from a pretty legalistic, here's exactly how you do it. She spent some time talking about the exactness of her prayer words and mm-hmm. all that. And for her then to go down the road and go, hey, it's a conversation. That was a very freeing experience. Yeah. I make up for her. So what we share in common with her is that we are all on this road together trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And she pulled over and talked for a little while about, hey, I took that conversation exit. And you know, either we've taken that before and we're on, or we haven't gotten to it yet. And uh, maybe that's the thing in part that we can most encourage people today is uh, don't judge your prayer life by somebody else's. Um, there, um, we're pretty confident that there's not an exact right way to do it. But the coolest thing you can do is keep keep doing this, keep getting, keep wrestling with it, wrestle or wrestle, wrestle with it, and. Um, you know, if there's days you don't feel like doing it, don't do it. And, and just but keep, keep on, I don't know, keep pressing. So I want to ask you about that because we, in the Methodist church, and I'm sure in plenty of other Christian churches, uh, prayer is considered a spiritual practice. Yep. And spiritual practice translates also to spiritual discipline. Yep. And so telling people, hey, if you don't feel like doing it today, then don't do it. Doesn't that kind of like step away from seeing it as a discipline? 
of like, isn't the, cause I have brought up this analogy before of when I was an athlete and my coach would tell me like, Hey, it's not about being motivated. Like you can't wake up every morning and feel motivated to exercise. It's about discipline. It's even when you're not motivated, you do it anyways. And then it becomes a habit and then it, you become stronger and you become faster and all of these things. Should it be the same for prayer of like, we're doing it whether we want to or not, or is that just going to build up resentment for the practice? Well, I get what you're saying. And so like, imagine, let's say I'm supposed to, part of my disciplined prayer life is praying every morning at seven o'clock when I get up with a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. I get up at seven o'clock and I sit down to pray and I got nothing. And Do you, do you have that daily no. prayer time? Okay. Not at seven o'clock. <laughs> and um, so is it insincere to kind of just go through the motions? Uh, maybe what is it I'm trying to discipline myself to do? Have a time with God or pray with God? Like I would default to a great cup of coffee and being quiet is just as valuable as me downloading a whole bunch of stuff to God. Well, and that's how I feel about like the prayer as a conversation point. Cause I'm not there in my journey. And also communication is literally my job, right? Of like, I'm talking all day. I'm getting paid right now to talk into this microphone. I'm t constantly trying to figure out what's the best way to communicate what we're doing at this church. And at the end of the day, or even at the beginning of the day, sitting down and having a conversation with God feels tedious to sure. me. I'm so tired. Like I'm tired of having to construct thoughts and put together sentences. And it just feels like a chore as opposed to a time of renewal. And um, so that's where I, I am willing right now to be a prayer rebel and say, um, it shouldn't be about conscious thought or words. Sometimes it can be. Like I said to you earlier, for me, I love walking in nature. Mm -hmm. The more naturally, the better. And um, could it not be that hearing the crunch of the leaves, the you know birds singing, wind in the trees, and just the whole total experiential moment, um, can that be a definition of prayer? For me right now, it is. Yeah. And... Um, uh, same thing with phenomenal music. Like music really speaks to my heart and it touches emotional places that I don't even have words for. Seems like that could be a prayer. Yeah. I think we're, I think one of the things we struggle with is that there's so much historical stuff about what prayer is that it seems like a box. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if we were to entertain like Eastern mystics or others, I think it would be more helpful yeah. Because it's much more sensory and experiential than rope. It's about centering and getting in touch with the earth and getting in touch with your breath and all these things. And there are all sorts of scientific studies around prayer and meditation. People who pray and meditate are more empathetic, are uh, more at peace, are happier people. So, like, they've actually done ongoing scientific studies around people who practice a prayer, daily prayer meditation and people who don't. And they even, I think they looked at like, okay, let's look at people who practice daily and people who practice once a week and people who practice once a month compared to, and even meditating or praying once a month 
showed benefit and it's actually uh, like reconnecting uh, or restructuring the synapses in your brain. In your brain. It's insane. So maybe what happens there, maybe prayer has, some understandings of prayer have gotten hijacked by this Western cultural understanding of uh, achievement and completion and uh, all those things that make mm-hmm. it sound tedious and workish yeah. and better than. Having a successful prayer life. Exactly. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I promise you, if you brought in like right now a Buddhist priest or something and said, hey, divine, explain to me your successful prayer life. Like, I don't think they could even process. Yeah. What is success? Any of that language. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what happens, like even with our devotional writer, is it's hard to ex- to extract ourselves from the cultural experience of achievement and understanding and rightness or wrongness. So she had to even back out of feeling some shame about not being able to do it right because somewhere along the way, somebody said, here is the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. And we carry all of that even to today, right? Yeah. And I think at times we don't communicate it very well in uh, traditional church settings because we too have been drinking that Kool-Aid for a really long time. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It kind of bugs me that we do prayer the exact same way every Sunday. Of like, there's the Lord's Prayer. Yep. These, there's the, I don't know if the Apostles' Creed counts as a prayer. It's more of like a pledge of allegiance. I don't know. It is. That's exactly. I pledge allegiance to uh, the God. To the God. To the, to the, (laughs) to the faith we say we believe. Yeah. And then, but every time we have prayer time carved in, it's someone standing on stage with a microphone leading the congregation, like. Lights come down, little strumming or piano. Background music. Happening, yeah, yep. happens. And close your eyes and fold your hands. And um, usually during prayer time, I am just like looking around at everybody in the room. Like it just feels weird. It all feels weird. And I wish that we could explore different styles of prayer and worship, but it scares us. Because I know anytime in worship meetings when we bring up like, hey, what if we just had silence and allowed people to pray to themselves for a minute no (laughs) absolutely not like the the reaction from the team is like that makes people uncomfortable you have no idea how long a minute of silence feels in a sanctuary which is true but maybe that's the point so what yeah a little discomfort never hurting buddy yeah so for instance so i'm um on deck I'm, I am that prayer dude about, what, twice a month? Yeah. And, um, man, I fight all of those feelings you're talking about. And so if you notice, I go up there, and I'm kind of extra casual about it, and I make a point of trying to pray how I feel. Mm-hmm. And that is my compromise of, uh, like, first of all, just an assumption that I have the responsibility to do this magic prayer in worship that everybody will connect to and all that. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's, you know, I know a lot of people, like if I were sitting in the pew, I would probably look at my phone Mm -hmm. during the prayer. And um, so it is, all of this feeds into just this whole, uh, I think we're just identifying a train wreck of people in our culture and even people who've worked in church not understanding 
are not agreeing on what prayer is. Like I looked up before we got here, like Paul said, and again, this is this seems very like Paul probably went to like a or worked for a Fortune 500 company because he says pray at all times, right? In Ephesians, then in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. Then in Romans, he says be constant in prayer, which is. Well, I shouldn't say this. Say I'm going to say it, which is easy to do when you're sitting in prison. What else do you have to do? <laughs> I know I when I volunteered, oh. when I volunteered in the juvenile prison system, those guys prayed all the time. What else you got to all do? the time. Yeah. Their their faith lives were thriving in there. So, so what else do I'm you not, do? There's no point I'm trying to make with that. No, but but so if you're trying to make sense of it, Paul is exhorting people to always be in a conversation. Oh, what nice that word. What if it's what if we uh, we replace the word prayer with breathe? Yeah. I mean, obviously we're going to breathe at all times. Breathe in, breathe out. God, be in constant communication. Um, I don't know. But communication implies. It's a two-way I know. conversation, which for me and maybe other people who are listening, it's not. So I, get, I don't really know what pray without ceasing means. Breathe without ceasing makes sense to me. Or live. Yeah. 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 Um, there's got to be a stair step between, like, I don't know. Between is it what? just being in a constant? Is the idea of prayer without ceasing not necessarily constantly like sending words out to God, but just being in a constant meditative state? That also feels unachievable. It feels like a like drug induced. Like what if it is just maintaining? I don't know why I need to write this. A sense of consciousness of the other, ooh, of like. I am aware that um, I don't understand God, but I think I know God, but I don't always uh, get it, but that there is um, this this uh, dynamic outside of my physical being that I think um, I'm going to choose to call God. Mm. And a lot of times I don't understand it, but I do think it's there. And, um, but I... Um, Man, I just feel like I'm big in a hole right now. And I don't, um, because uh, the other thing I, should, I guess I need to say is right now I'm at this place where I have reinitiated praying. And I had, I had a hard, like just yucky fall and winter. And I didn't do a lot. I wasn't in clicking. But uh, so, but like my little prayer life, I, and I do do this when I get up in the morning, my feet hit the ground, I just say, Thank you for another day. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the whole boom. There you go. When I put my head down at night, I um, I kind of do take a little inventory of the day, and then I'll be honest. I'm I'm in the stage right now where I have a hard time unplugging and falling asleep. So I picture every relationship I'm in, and I just say thank you for that person. And um, so it's back to the now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> It God is bless. Wendy and, see, and, and, and when you're 63, you do say, and if I die before I wake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. And, and I don't, let's fix this. What's, um, what did she do in week three? Well, we, that's not helpful because week three had me rolling my eyes more than anything. Um, 
She, I How's call, that? I call it. So week three, I titled the magic book. Yeah. So she tells this story about how her family is gathered around oh, the yeah. dinner table, and she's like, oh, Gabby, her daughter, I guess, it's your turn to pray. And her daughter said, I don't want to. And she's eight years old, and she has a terrified look on her face. And she tried to get her to do it again, and she wouldn't. And so finally they moved on to another kid. And then she talks about, like, oh, my gosh, I had to go and talk to her about, like, why didn't she want to pray? And I was wondering if she was, like, scared to pray in front of people. But then even when we were just one-on-one together, she didn't want to pray and, like, all these things. And then she was walking through the playroom, and there was this magic book that she found on the floor that she doesn't know where it came from or how it got into the house, and it was called Prayers for Children. And she found it, and it was god telling her what to do and she grabbed this book that she didn't know where it came from and she showed it to her daughter and her daughter got so excited and I was like what what is I know I remember what? all of that now and it felt it felt so contrived yes to, that I thought for like a couple of minutes who in their right mind published this like god magically but like a lot of people think that way of like Okay, most likely, like, someone at the church they go to handed their kid a book, and the kid just brought it home and threw it on the floor. Probably. Like, it probably wasn't God Or maybe it was under the couch, and somebody was cleaning and swept, and it came out. But she was like, I've never seen this book before, and God was giving me a sign. I was like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) Well... Yeah. Like no. I don't want to I don't want to discredit signs and wonders like just because that hasn't been my experience doesn't mean right. I can tell someone else it's not their experience. But I will say like as I was reading this chapter I found myself rolling my eyes. You know what I think and I and and I don't hope you don't feel this is judgmental. I just don't think that maybe this was the best devotional to use as a let's explore prayer. I thought it would okay, here here's why I chose it. One, the title was called Uncomplicating Prayer. And I was like, yeah, absolutely that sounds great. Yep. And then reason number two I chose it, it was only three days. <laughs> we like short. And we've devotions. been defaulting to like the five and six day yep. and seven day, yep. which makes the podcast episode extremely long, long and complicated. But the truth is that's where the really good content and conversation happens is when they go more than surface level into a topic and they're really diving right. down into it. And I just feel like, yeah, this this reading plan was so surface level, so many unanswered questions. And like one of the things that I, I wrote down is like, we never learned why her daughter didn't want to pray. Right. Like she never revealed that part of the story of like it could have just been that she's eight years old and she didn't want to she didn't feel like it she was practicing her Alyssa muscle yeah and there's not some like big like meaningful reason that she was choosing not to pray it's like you know my niece is eight years old and sometimes at the end of the day I'm like hey what'd you do today she's like I don't want to talk about it but it doesn't (laughs) It doesn't necessarily mean like something big happened that she doesn't want to talk about. It means that she's she eight want years old and she doesn't want to talk about it. She'd rather go, you know, yeah. play or have candy or push like, or whatever. Aunt Alyssa, just let me decompress after school, you know? Well, um, so it is hard because uh, I think maybe sometimes there are there are some uh, assumed pressures on religious or devotional writers that they have to 
no matter how many weeks it is tied up with a bow. Mm -hmm. And um, like if you or I were having coached her, like I would love it if she'd had an honest conversation and said, you know what, my my daughter didn't want to. And we went and had a talk and I said, you know what, I get it. I I used to not want to pray to. But I guess it also bothered me of like, so we have these two days when she's talking about her own prayer journey. And then like I had, this is a totally overly aggressive word. Um, and then day three is like indoctrinating your children. Mm. And I'm not a parent, right? But I, so I have no idea. How do parents teach their kids about prayer? Because this didn't feel right. Like it sat uneasy with me about this whole interaction around the family table about prayer and making it like a big hairy deal that she didn't want to pray that night. Because, like, I know with my sister, she lets the kids say, like, she's like, do either of y'all want to pray tonight? And they're like, nope. She's like, okay. And then mm-hmm. they move on. And mm-hmm. so, like. See, I think maybe, like, if I were to do all that over again, I would say, uh, it like, who had something today that they, uh, that made them happy or sad or mad? Um, see, I'm always real into the, like, showing gratitude for the person who fixed the food and the person who grew the food. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I'm sure I force some my kids to say prayers sometimes that they're just like, because they're preacher kids, and preacher kids are just tormented. Mm-hmm. And then um, um, I think that parents feel a lot of pressure to have their kids turn out right, and that if the kid grows up not praying, they're not going to turn out right. Mm-hmm. And that's just stinking thinking. That's craziness. But um, I don't know. It, um, but I do think, you know, you've brought up a few times gratitude. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's the best place to start for all of us is, um, and maybe that's what prayer without ceasing means, is just having an attitude of gratitude all day long. Mm-hmm. And just being like, stop seeing the negative side of everything. And like, when you put your feet down in the morning, say, thank you for another day. And when you have food put in front of you, it's like, oh, I'm so grateful to be able to fill my belly. And I'm so grateful for the hands that made this and grew this food. And just like all these little moments throughout your day being grateful, because there's no way that doesn't increase empathy. And there's no way like that doesn't increase happiness, right? Is to sure. just be grateful for everything. Yeah. Well, and, and if you would, maybe those moments are, for the lack of a better word, maybe like a little uh, holy connect Yeah. Uh, with that that's outside of you, if we're going to call it God, and um, just continues this static line of consciousness yeah. that uh, all that we do, all that we've done, all that we're going to do is somehow connected to God. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and you know what? Maybe that's enough. And maybe that for right now where we are is good. And if in a month or two or three, either one of us or somebody we know is going through some big, you know, climactic event, it might be interesting to come back and say, okay, right now, what are we thinking about prayer? Well, you know, in the fact that neither one of us are right there right now, I don't know that we can answer that, honestly. Yeah. So, uh, say, like one of the, I, I can't say I've learned anything new about prayer that, like I, in this little hour long sit down that we did, and I, I will say like, I don't ask people to pray for me and I don't offer to pray for people anymore because it just feels empty. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. prayer hands. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll pray for you. I'm like, mm, I don't believe you. Because I know that when I say that, I don't mean it. Mm-hmm. So do you mean it? Like, it just, it feels really empty. And I want it to not feel empty. And maybe the way for it not to feel empty is to just step away for a while sure. and like try and come back later. Well, and to be honest about it. And, yeah. and however you fashion God, God can handle us saying, God, we're really confused about how to have a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. Does it include some sort of, quote, conversation? And uh, if it does, I, I could really use a little summer school on this. Give yeah, me- but am I supposed to wait for a response from God on that? I think you just keep walking. Just keep going yeah. and and uh, keep your eyes open. Like uh, I always say to people like uh, who say, hey, I think I'm going to pray for patience. Well, so I think those kind of moments are invitations for opportunities that all hinge on are like, you know, always watching, always mm-hmm. being aware. Because a lot of times I think people quote pray for stuff and then just bulldoze their life and they miss stuff. But um the part where I still am not totally sure about is the connection between my prayer life and God's response. I think God is going to always love me regardless of if I pray or don't. And I think people are going to get better or not better whether or not I pray for them. So um, I, think, I, don't, I think that we, what I'm going to keep doing is I'm going to keep doing all that I can do to wrestle with God. And uh, someday if I come down from the mountaintop and I have it all figured out, I'll call you. Maybe I'm going to say something crazy. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Maybe prayer has nothing to do with relationship with God at all. Maybe it has to do with our own mental health and relationship with ourselves. Maybe so. Like for me, not for, but like if I don't feel comfortable, like I just don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything or reaching any sort of new level of spirituality by talking out into what feels like nothing and maybe just like kind of going back to Eastern traditions of meditation and centering and, and all of that is just like building a relationship with myself and allowing, you know, a spiritual presence to maybe come to me someday. I don't know. I like that. Cause I make up that that's when you um, are your most honest, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, however you relate to God, I think God would want you to be your most honest self. Speakers are cutting out. And um, if that's where you experience, however you experience God's presence, I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah. You know what I have? I have at home, and I'm going to bring you this thing you can borrow for a while, a little uh, Tibetan prayer bowl. Have you heard of those before? No. They're these fancy... uh, I don't know why I call it fancy, but it's a bowl made out of brass. It's all polished. And then you have like a little wooden thing and you hit the top of it and it makes this perfect pitch sound. Oh, and do you, is it the thing where like you can take it yep, and yep, make yep. it You go around it inside yeah. somehow. I haven't figured out quite how to do that. But you just ding yeah. and the, uh, that tone carries and it's really kind of a nice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll borrow that. Um, okay, so here's the deal. Tell me. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback with our Unlearned Faith series. I think that it has started a lot of conversations. Uh, But I know you and I are both kind of tired of the YouVersion reading plan thing. Yep. Right? So what I want to do is um, I want to ask the audience, 
Okay. Are there any specific topics that you would like covered? Is there anything you want to hear us talk about? I've already gotten one request from my father. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Saying, the Bible. Yeah. Could we unlearn the Bible? Um, which is, oh, man, that, we could do an entire series so, on that by itself. You know what I think we should do? Let's mm-hmm. do that. But let's, uh, let's bring him in here. Yeah. That'd be I fun. think he would love to do that. But, um, yeah. And, and, you know, when we say, especially having been around for a while, like when we say unlearn, we don't mean unlearn and discard. We mean peel back the onion layers and discuss and discover. And mm-hmm. when we have done that, what we have sometimes done, though, is discard old ways of thinking and, mm-hmm. and things that we felt like were forced upon us that are not relevant, realistic, or worth keeping on anymore, right? We're not trying to like tell you, hey, we're going to unlearn everything that's important in the Christian faith. That's not our goal at all. Our goal is just to lay claim to that which is real and honest for us now today. Well, and I think it's just asking the question, why? Over a couple of five-year-olds here, just every statement, why? 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 And that's what we really want to do is get to the bottom of why do we believe what we believe or is something that we used to believe not supported anymore? And when we're asking those questions, why? And I will say one of the things that going back to the devotion, she said, uh, God doesn't change, but our view of God does change. And I think that that's something really good to realizes that if we're not growing and changing in our relationship with God and the way that we view and understand God and how the Spirit is at work in this world, then we're stagnant. We're not doing what we should be doing. Um, So I think we should be constantly asking those questions, why? Um, But I want you to let me know. Send me an email. My email is alyssar at tmumc.org. If you have a topic you want us to dive into, um, I know that we have some pretty loyal listeners who who take in everything. So I'd love to hear from you and, and let's talk about what we want to talk about without having to discuss magic books and, and whatever. There you go. I'm on. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on today's episode. And we will see you again next month for another episode in the Life Plus God podcast. There you go. Take care.